We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to have you on the network today. We're broadcasting across the country through American Family Radio. We're in uh, 30-plus states, 180 towers is what we have across the country. And then, of course, we're on the World Wide Web, which puts us all around the world. You can go to our website, AFR.net. AFR.net's a website. You can also download the American Family Radio app on your mobile device, on your smartphone, tablet device. And for those of you wondering, uh, we were having some technical difficulties over the weekend with our our uh, streaming service. Uh, not AFA streaming, but our uh, uh, American Family Radio app and website. We were having some issues there. Uh, but we got those resolved yesterday uh, afternoon. We got all those issues resolved, so we should be back up and 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 have a clear uh, stream there with our audio on our website afr.net and on the AFR app. Uh, so that issue over the weekend has been resolved. Um, and you know, we we don't really know uh, all the time how many people we have listening until something goes wrong, <laughs> until something breaks, and then boom, we've got about thousands of listeners that can't get American Family Radio, which is a problem. That's why we fixed it. Uh, so uh, American Family Radio online is back up and running. The stream is by going to AFR.net or downloading the American Family Radio app. We have our video platform now available. It's been up about two weeks. AFA Streaming is the name of the platform. It's a video platform where you can watch Watch this show, The Core. You can also watch The Hamilton Corner. We're adding Airing the Addisons. Next week, we're going to add today's issues. But we have all other AFA-produced content there on that platform as well. Uh, So go create an account at AFA Streaming Platform. You can go to the URL, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, and create an account. I checked this morning. We had about 6,400 users now on that platform, 6,400 users as of this morning on that platform. Our verse of the week is out of the book of Proverbs. We have the final two verses here in Proverbs chapter 3, then we'll move on to another book. And this is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 and 35. Toward the the scorners, God is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor. But fools get disgrace. That's out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 and 35. That's our scripture for the week. Uh, Jumping right into the topics for today, you know, um, the first thing I thought about on this Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which is wrapping up this week, if not today, probably tomorrow, um, I covered this pretty extensively last week. And if you've never... If you can't remember the last time you were wrong about something, even if it's just the most minor of issues or topics, um, if you don't remember the last time you were wrong about something, then 
that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. Uh, we all get it wrong at times, which leads me to this topic. Last week, I was covering the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven charges that Kyle Rittenhouse was charged with. These are all criminal charges brought by the local prosecutor there, which is a joke, by the way, the prosecutor is, in Kenosha County. So I was going through the seven charges, and I mentioned that I doubt Rittenhouse will be charged with any of these except one of them, and that was possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18 years old. Well, I made that that statement about the only probably charge that Rittenhouse would be guilty of is this possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18 because Rittenhouse was 17 at the time, possessing a firearm in the state of Wisconsin. Well, as it turns out, I was wrong, which means I'm human. And it turns out I read a piece this weekend, and we should always be comparing our conclusions with the information that's available. So I did that this weekend, and here is an article I came across this weekend out of Breitbart. Legal expert concludes that the judge should not allow Rittenhouse jury to consider firearms charge, the charge that I said he would likely be found guilty of. Well, the legal expert is the well-known Jonathan Turley well-known constitutional expert and lawyer. Jonathan Turley concluded that when you look at the text of the law in the state of Wisconsin, Rittenhouse was not guilty of that charge. And it gets into uh, the type of firearm that is written in the Wisconsin state law. And I'm not going to try to get into the details of that Wisconsin law because even the judge in the case admitted that it's very the way it's written is very, very hard to understand. So I'm not going to try from Tupelo, Mississippi to get into the Wisconsin state law and act like all of a sudden I'm a legal expert because I'm not. But according to Jonathan Turley, who is a legal expert, he says when you read the Wisconsin state law on possession of a firearm under the age of 18 – there's something about it, the way it's written, where the firearm that Rittenhouse was carrying did not violate that state law. That's as far as I can go there. Well, the judge in the case, so that was Jonathan Turley who wrote that opinion this weekend. The, the judge in the case, which imagine this, I don't bring that one story in, but nonetheless, I can summarize it for you because I did read it today. The judge in the case, in the Kyle Rittenhouse case that we talked about last week, and that's overseeing this case today. Today, he dismissed that firearms charge to where the jury can't even consider it. And that was the last remaining charge that, in my opinion, that Rittenhouse could be convicted of. And after reading Jonathan Turley, listening to the judge this morning, the judge threw that thing out. He said, this doesn't apply in this case. Rittenhouse does clearly not fall under this statute as far as what happened with him. And so that leaves these six other charges, which in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be found guilty of any of them when you look at the facts surrounding the case. 
The reality is, whether you think Rittenhouse should have been out on the streets or not, that's really, as I mentioned, not a legal argument. Um, he was uh, legally um, okay in what he was doing as far as carrying a firearm, being out on the street um, that night. Uh, so what he's being brought up on is whether the shooting was justified, the shootings, plural, wh- whether they were justified. Um, and we're going to find out that ruling this week, I would I would suspect. And But when you look at the Rittenhouse case, he, he, he was clearly defending himself. I mean, everything about the case was him defending himself. And what really is, is the most uh, frustrating or disappointing um, facts surrounding this entire case is that even when you have a clean shoot, that's what it's called, even when you have a clean shoot, a justified shooting, which is, in my opinion, what Rittenhouse had is a clean shoot, every scenario of him discharging his firearm was justified according to the law, he still gets brought before a jury and still has his life destroyed in front of America. And the prosecutor here is making the most uncompelling argument to the jury. It's as if the prosecutor doesn't even believe the charges that he brought against Rittenhouse. And so really, what is this about? What is this case about if the prosecutor can't even follow this case to the finish line and see Rittenhouse charged with one single count? And the case isn't over yet. He could be charged with some of these counts. I don't know. But clearly, this this entire debacle could have been avoided. Could have been avoided. But instead, we have an 18-year-old drugged before America in front of the court, in front of the jury, and all over a justified shooting. But in, in at the meantime... Or in the meantime, we have 2020, during the same time period of the Rittenhouse incident, you had hundreds, if not thousands, of rioters and looters. I mean, you could say millions of people in the streets, but you talk about the people who are actually destroying property. You're talking about hundreds and thousands of people. Where are the charges there? Where are the grand juries? Where are the juries? Where are the prosecutors doing these televised trials about all the people that burned down small businesses and other businesses around the country, destroyed private property, assaulted people? Where are those trials? Where's the FBI? Nowhere to be found. That's the answer to that question. And the last angle I'll take on this before we go to a break is I came across this piece uh, out of Chicago. Chicago police cancels day off for officers reportedly bracing for Rittenhouse verdict. Reading more into the story out of Fox, the Chicago Police Department has canceled one regular day off this weekend for uh, all full-duty officers to enhance public safety, a decision reportedly made to brace for, for possible upheaval ahead of a potential verdict in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin. So they're preparing for more rioting, more loot, looting, and more property and life destruction. 
So, so here in America, here we are where even if you're innocent, we're still going to destroy the city. So we, we put, as a society, we put our faith and our trust in the process where we have a jury of peers to review the case and render a verdict, all being done on national television. But we still have people in this country that aren't satisfied with that. I would say Rittenhouse shouldn't even be on trial. But okay, now he's on trial, so we're going to do the whole justice thing, aren't we, right? But if the verdict isn't what we think it should be, then we're going to burn the city down. What kind of message does that send to America and the world? We want to use the quote-unquote justice system to get those bad guys like Rittenhouse. But if the, the system and the process and my peers don't do exactly what I think they should do, even though I'm not even in the courtroom and I'm not privy to all the details of the case, I'm going to burn the city down. Kenosha is going to get burned down is what, the, what these people are doing if the verdict doesn't go how I think it should. Can you imagine if every time there was a court ruling or a law passed that people didn't that, that people disagreed with that the, the, the alternative to unjust laws was to burn things down? <laughs> we wouldn't even have a country to live in if that was the case. Because every day somebody can point to something that's done that's unjust, that's not right. But the question is, is the solution to riot, loot, and destroy private property if a jury doesn't rule how we think they should? But this is the modern-day 2021 social justice movement. It's not really about justice. It's not really about justice. It's about punishing people that we don't like. We don't like Kyle Rittenhouse. We don't agree with his politics, so he should go to jail for the rest of his life. It doesn't matter what the charges are, what the jury says. Who really cares? Let's destroy Kyle Rittenhouse because we just don't like his politics. Let's destroy Kyle Rittenhouse because he dared to protect his community. And we can't do that. We can't protect our community because that doesn't go along with what the Democrats say we should be doing. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, if you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in scripture. You're following a God you've created. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. If your girl is suddenly pining for some questionable items from your wardrobe of yesteryear, she's not alone. Claw clips, platform shoes, tiny handbags, what's old is new again according to Gen Z fashion trends. Finding her own unique style is part of every teen girl's formation. While you sort through vintage tees and baggy jeans, consider reading a devotional or watching some popular sermons from the 1990s. Unlike certain music, fashion, or hairstyles, which will all likely be on full display, the Word of God shared in the readings and videos you find is timeless. Have some fun exploring and reminiscing on your own formational time with your daughter. And remember to share the words of Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Here's a story filled with both tragedy and hope. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Amelia was raised in South Africa, very tragically witnessed the murder-suicide of her own mother and father. The father, a raging alcoholic, would kill the mother before turning the gun on himself. This sent all the siblings in different directions. Amelia ended up with an aunt who did not love her. In fact, forced her into human trafficking, and she would go on to be assaulted by men who never were prosecuted for the crime. Amelia lived with bitter unforgiveness for many years until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to Jesus and trained her to share Christ with others. And would you know what? 120 Christians have looked upon Amelia and they say, what? I want Jesus. And I tell you what, they live where Bibles are non-existent. So we're asking you today, would you step into the stories of these 120 Christians and others around the world who need the Bible at only $5? Make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 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 Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us. Our website is AFR.net. You can check out my podcast page there on our website, AFR.net. You can do the same on our mobile app. On the AFR mobile app, you can uh, also find the podcast, uh, the core podcast there on our mobile app. We are live streaming the video. Uh, YouTube's let us out of jail for now. So we're live streaming on Facebook and YouTube until I have somebody else on the show to share the truth. Then they're going to pull us down again for strike three, which I really don't care. Uh, Whatever they want to do, that's fine because we've got our own video platform. And we're uploading the video to AFA streaming platform now. So if YouTube wants to give me a third strike, uh, that would make my Christmas. I would love that. Uh, So I'm inviting that to happen. Um, uh, So we're live streaming the video on Facebook or YouTube. Just go to the core page on AFA at the core on both of those platforms. And you can can, uh, uh, watch the live stream there. Back into the news of the week. The um, the economy is, well, the economy is doing all right, but the inflation is a major problem. Um, the economy, as far as, you know, consumers buying things and stuff, even though consumer sentiment sentiments is down, uh, consumer sentiment is down, um, inflation is a problem. The supply chain just can't seem to catch up uh, with the demand, and the, the Democrats haven't pulled this excuse yet, but 
we could have seen this coming, <laughs> and that is the blame Donald Trump excuse. The blame Donald Trump excuse. We should have all known it was coming, but they just kept delaying it, I guess. The White House Chief of Staff, this is out of Breitbart, the White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, claimed Wednesday, this is last Wednesday, on MSNBC's deadline, <laughs> that President Joe Biden's administration, quote, inherited a mess from Donald Trump, end quote. He goes on to say more specifically, I understand, I understand that voters are frustrated. This was on the hills of the Virginia race, the Virginia election. Klain said, this is the White House Chief of Staff, Klain said, quote, I understand that voters are frustrated. We inherited a mess from Donald Trump. We inherited 4,000 people a day dying from COVID, only 50,000 jobs being created a month, giant supply chain problems, all these problems. Actually, that's not true. There, there were maybe minor supply chain issues when Donald Trump was in office. But the big problem started when Joe Biden took office. So that's a half-true statement. Um, the major supply chain issues, such as over 100 now shipping um, container boats, are now sitting off the coast of California waiting to be unloaded. This all happened under Joe Biden's watch. So we can't, we can't keep going back blaming the previous administration for all of the problems that that Biden has created, but they're going to try it anyway. What do you expect? I expect nothing less. Speaking about the economy, the reason I talk about this inflation issue so much is because it affects everyday average middle-class Americans. And when you're having to pay 15, 20, 50 bucks more at the grocery store every week, that adds up. That adds up, especially for families who are barely able to get by. Well, someone who agrees with my assessment there is economist Larry Summers. He was the U.S. Treasury Secretary under the Clinton administration. Well, this is Larry Summers talking about how he's on CNN here on out front talking about how, yeah, inflation is a problem and it's probably not going to go away at least for another year. Uh, let's listen to clip five. I think the odds are that we're going to have inflation of a kind we haven't seen in 30 years until either the Fed takes some significant move with respect to monetary policy or until there's some kind of accident that disrupts the rapid economic growth we're enjoying. I think it's possible, but quite unlikely, that inflation will recede back to its normal 2% level without some significant change in the path we're now we're now on i think the fed has made a significant uh mistake in uh the approach that it's taking by doubling down on the massive fiscal stimulus we had at the beginning of the year with really easy monetary policy well there you have it that's not from a right winger there that is from a former Clinton uh, cabinet member, more specifically the former U.S. Treasury Secretary. That's Larry Summers there. At the tail end of that clip, he said, I think the Fed has made a significant mistake in the approach that it's taking by doubling down on the massive fiscal stimulus 
that we had at the beginning of the year with really easy monetary policy. So we, we can all agree now that they shouldn't have sent out those checks in January or whenever they did it, right after President Biden was inaugurated. And the president himself in a speech last week admitted that those stimulus checks, like the third or fourth round at the beginning of 2021, that those were a bad idea. And furthermore, he admitted that those checks heavily contributed to the inflation that we're seeing today. That was from the president himself. And so if, if now we all agree that Washington, D.C. and the Treasury, they've been pumping way too much money into the economy, they've had the printing press on way too long, here we are now, and there, President Biden is about, to, is about to sign this fake infrastructure bill. And when I say fake infrastructure bill, they're calling it infrastructure, but boy, does it fund more than infrastructure. This $1.5, $1.7 trillion infrastructure package, they're about to pump another $1.7 trillion into the American economy. And too much money circulating is a problem now. They just admitted it. The liberals, Larry Summers just admitted, we've got way too much stimulus in the economy, way too much money floating around, way too much demand. Well, what's Washington's solution? Let's just spend more money. Let's spend more money. It is as if they want this nation to go off the cliff, but they just don't want us to go off the cliff. By golly, we're going to go off the cliff 100 miles an hour. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down fighting. You know, that's the old saying. Well, that's like, that. this explains, or, or that describes this Biden administration's economic strategy. This, this, this ship is, this Titanic is going down. We should poke more holes in the boat and make it go down 10 times faster. It's as if they're, they're planning and they're intentionally aiming for a very hard landing at the bottom of this ocean. Everything they do benefits everybody else but us. I mean, what I'm saying here is I'm summing up the Democrat Party in like a sentence. No need to get overly complicated, bring in the lawyers and the economists, and say all these fancy words that nobody gets. No, the Democrats are doing anything and everything in their power from a policy standpoint to completely destroy what is left of this country. And there's no other way to describe it. We can't say, well, they're just going for their for their Democrat, you know, party platform strategy. They're just trying to fundamentally change America. Okay, well, you can say all those things, and that's just that's all the fancy talking points. But the the root of it, the end result of it all, is an absolute destruction of the America as we know it. And that is what they're doing right now as we speak. I'm just thankful that this boat, that this ship called America is so big that you can't turn it on a dime because if they could, they would have turned this country on a dime um, and, and sunk it right to the bottom of the ocean. The, uh, I came across this article, you know, last week I talked a little bit about the, um, uh, the green new deal type uh, rhetoric and policies and how the whole green movement is really not that. Um, I, you know, we, we talk about 
zero emissions, and they had this climate conference over in um, Glasgow, Scotland, and they fly 400 private jets in, but but burning airline fuel is apparently bad for the environment. But let's let's ignore that. Let's let's all fly in on our private jets and burn all these emissions into the planet so that we can talk about climate change. Well, they do that last week, talking about climate change. Well, guess who doesn't show up? Guess who doesn't show up? China. The number one polluter in the world doesn't show up to this fake climate change conference where they all talk about how they need to make you and I ride our bikes to work or drive our Teslas to work, but they're going to stay in their Tahoes and their limousines, and their private jets. The only country that doesn't show up, one of the only countries, rather, that doesn't show up, is China. And you want to know why that is? Because China is less concerned about whether they're driving Teslas or whether they're driving Tahoes. And China is more concerned about their position on the world stage. China is vying, and and every national security expert you talk to that at least know what they're talking about will tell you, China is vying for the number one spot on the world stage, meaning they will replace, they are wanting to rather, they are wanting to replace America on the world stage. So then instead of all these countries looking to America to fix their problems, All these countries will then shift their focus and look to China to fix their problems. So that's the the consensus amongst everyone in the national security community, and I've had Frank Gaffney on this show to talk about it, is that China wants to be at the front of the line. They want to be number one on the world stage, the nation that everyone looks to uh, for leadership on the world stage. So they don't show up to this climate change conference Instead, China is focused on economic and military dominance. China actually has their priorities in order from a political standpoint because China is about advancing China. China is about advancing China. Meanwhile, America, and the same thing happened under the Obama administration, America... We, we bend over backwards to make other countries happy and to do, we did the Paris Climate Accord. We did all these different kind of agreements that hurt America and our economy all in the name of climate change. And that's what's happening now. We're going to all these conferences. We're kowtowing. We're signing these agreements. We're cutting off the Keystone XL pipeline. We're cutting off another pipeline last week that I don't know the name of. Uh, we're, we're stopping, uh, we're reducing uh, the amount of oil and, and energy and natural gas that we generate here domestically, and instead we're calling what the Biden administration calls the OPEC cartel. We're calling the OPEC cartel so they can ship us more of their oil, and they're saying, no, we're not doing it because you guys are schizophrenic. One month you don't want our oil, the next month you do. So no, we're not ramping up production for you guys who don't even know what you want. And the Biden administration, last week, I played the clip of the energy secretary claiming that OPEC is a cartel, which that's really beside the point, okay? So if some of you got offended because I said OPEC's not a cartel and y'all think they are, it really doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we can make our own oil. We can, we can re- rather 
produce and and generate our own energy here in America. We can all do it on in the homeland domestically and employ American citizens to do these jobs, which means income for them and their families. We can do that. And then if we do that like we did under President Trump and be 100% energy independent, which means if other countries that import their energy into America, if they stop doing that tomorrow, we would be fine because we have our own energy. Well, President Biden comes into office and they start cutting off all of our domestic energy sources, or at least as many as they can, as fast as they can. And then here we are, gas prices going up, and the Biden administration wants to call the OPEC cartel, that's their words, to bring us more oil. I mean, this stuff, you really can't make this stuff up. And OPEC says we're not going to do it. We're not ramping up supply just for you guys who can't make your mind up. Why don't you go buy your Teslas? <laughs> why don't we all, why, why didn't America just go get their Teslas and their, and their golf carts and their bikes and figure it out? Because OPEC's not coming to our rescue, they said. And what's the, what's the end result there? Well, gas prices are going up, and they're going to continue to go up. And so are the energy prices to heat your home. The, the Not only the prices at the pump, but then the prices at all the retail stores and pretty much across the board, the grocery store. You want to know why? Because we need diesel-burning trucks to bring our groceries to the grocery store. No, no, there's no Teslas bringing our groceries to the grocery store. No matter what you've been hearing and the, and the electric 18-wheelers that they're testing, that they're dem demoing, yeah, that's all maybe 20 years out, maybe. But right now, folks, we've got diesel trucks supplying all of our goods for daily life across the country. And if we think that we're just going to flip the switch... And all of a sudden, these solar panels and windmills are going to get the job done. It just ain't going to happen, as we say in the South. It just ain't going to happen. And I saw a story this weekend where China is building all these solar farms. And you know what they're doing to build the solar farms? They're bulldozing the forest. Yeah, so how about the tree huggers out there? What are you going to say about that when we start bulldozing God's creation and bulldozing all the animals and the livestock and the birds and the fish. Let's just bulldoze it all, throw out some solar panels so we can heat our home. Well, are we going to now say that we can't do that either? So then we can't have solar panels. Well, then we'll have windmills. No, we can't have windmills because they kill all the birds. So what are we left with? Oil, natural gas, and coal. We'll be back in a few minutes. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation 
Thank you for standing with us. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. For American Family Radio, this is Gateways to Better Education. I'm Eric Buehler. Is your child being assigned to read a book called The Giver? If so, you might want to talk to the teacher. Many elementary and junior high teachers assign The Giver for their students to read. Many parents are concerned about the book because of its description of euthanasia and sexual awakening in the main character. I like the book's conservative message against the dehumanizing dangers of government, but it isn't well served when students are not emotionally or intellectually ready to appreciate the issues it raises. If teachers aren't willing to draw parallels between the society described in The Giver and disturbing trends in American society today, then the book is reduced from being thought-provoking education to merely being titillating entertainment. You can be a gateway to better education for your local schools, For our review of The Giver, visit gogateways.org. AFA at the Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm so glad a break came because I was ranting and I was raving. And boy, did I need a coffee break. So I just got it there a few minutes ago. Um, my, my point in all of this is that all the people out there, the, the so-called green folks, are the, you know, the environmentalist, and as we call them here in the South, the tree huggers. Um, right now, we, we just need to embrace reality. And the reality is that solar and wind can't power what all we need powered at this day, at this moment. Now, down the road, could technology advance to such an extent where solar and wind can produce as much, if not more, power generation than coal and natural gas and oil? Maybe, probably, who knows? But as it stands today, that's not the, that's not the case. And so we need to stop sprinting toward the solar panels and the windmills and cutting off all of our other energy sources as if this solar and wind is going to be the latest, the greatest, and it's going to be running the whole country next year because it's not. And not to mention 
We also don't need to claim this on moral grounds because I've, I've, I've explicitly outlined how wind and solar have problems in and of themselves. Wind and solar have environmental problems in and of themselves. So to call wind and solar so-called green, clean, and oil and natural gas, by the way, natural gas is, is, is natural gas is the cleanest of them all, if you want to talk about that. But oil and natural glass, gas and coal are somehow dirty. They're bad. No, no. It's all supplying energy. And uh, I, I was reading up about these foreign countries, these, these third, I mean, these, these underdeveloped countries, not America, I'm talking Africa, these very remote countries that just don't have a lot of infrastructure. Uh, you start pulling oil and gas, uh, oil and coal and natural gas away from them, telling them that they've got to go green. They just won't have electricity because they just don't have the money and the resources to be throwing up solar farms all over the country. Moving uh, topics to the, the COVID jab. By the way, later in the week, I'm not sure what day yet, but later this week we're going to have on a couple guests who have had adverse reactions to the COVID-19 shot. We're going to have them on the show to let them tell their story because their story deserves to be told um, because we're hearing all the talk and all the propaganda about how great the COVID shot is. Safe and effective, safe and effective. That's what we've been sold. Uh, well, there's there's people who have had their lives turned upside down because of the shot and not in a good way, not in a good way. So we're going to have them on the program to talk about their story. Someone who had their life turned upside down was this uh, 29-year-old mountain biker, fellow by the name of Kyle Warner. He's a, a 29-year-old a professional mountain biker. Well, I'm going to read this story. This is out of the Gateway Pundit. Kyle Warner, a 29-year-old mountain bike race champion, was diagnosed with pericarditis and reactive arthritis a month after he took the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. The vaccine has ruined his career, and he is still unwell and hasn't been able to work or ride a bike. Warner took his first dose of Pfizer vaccine in mid-May and took his second dose a month after. In an interview with Dr. John Campbell in October, Warner described his experience and what he felt when the second dose of Pfizer vaccine was injected into his body. So here is what uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read what Kyle Warner, how Kyle Warner described his adverse reaction, and then I'm gonna play a clip from Kyle Warner in a few minutes. Kyle Warner told Dr. John Campbell in this interview in October. He said, "Quote: As soon as they injected it." I had a weird metallic saline taste in my mouth. I asked the guy, probably the nurse or the person injecting it, is this normal? And he said, no, they don't hear of that much. The fact that the clinician doesn't recognize that a metallic taste in, in, in the mouth could be a sign of an inadvertent intravascular administration concerns me because what happens if the vaccine goes into your muscle then it stays in your muscle, and, and, and it's going to take half an hour to be systemically absorbed at all, or much longer than that. But if it goes into a vessel, which is what likely happened here, but if it goes into a vessel, you get a metallic taste straight away. 
the fact that you could taste that straight away is to me very suspicious of them inadvertently giving that into your blood vessel. Basically, you're having the inflammatory reaction in your heart and in your joints instead of in your arm. That was um, that was a combination between Kyle Warner and uh, Dr. John Campbell having an exchange there. Uh, moving on, two weeks after he took the second dose, Warner started to notice some strange reactions in his heart, and he experienced a series of accelerated heart rates. He claimed that he only took the vaccine shot because he wanted to travel internationally. So... Um, this uh, this gentleman, Kyle Warner, his biking career, at least for now, has been uh, put to a uh, brought to a halt because of the adverse reaction that he experienced as a result of the COVID nineteen shot. Well, he tried to share his story, and he got all kind of blowback from simply sharing what happened to him, and he's pretty upset. This is clip three. Let's listen to Kyle Warner himself. All right, we're going to get that clip here in a minute. But I, I have a clip of Kyle Warner, and he's doing this. We got it now, Bobby? Not yet. All right, we'll, we'll work on that. Let me know when you, when you think we got it. Um, but Kyle Warner does this, uh, vi- this social media video. Um, he's in tears because he's received all kind of hate simply for telling his story about the adverse reaction that he experienced. Uh, but you know what? It, I wonder if CNN or Fox News or Newsmax is going to invite Kyle Warner on to tell his story about how the shot didn't go well for him. I wonder, because we've got all this propaganda, all these advertisements about how great the shot is and how it's saving lives, but when people have an adverse reaction, um, nobody wants to talk to them, nobody wants to tell their story. And he even talked about in that clip about how he tried to tell his story and tried to get a therapist, actually, Um, And they didn't even want to uh, provide therapy for him because they didn't believe that he had an adverse reaction. Another um, clip I want to play is Bill Gates, the man himself. We've been I've been telling you on this show uh, that the shots aren't working how they're supposed to. I've been telling you over and over again. I've been bringing in the studies from all kind of different clinical trials and studies about how the shots aren't being effective. They're not preventing transmission like they're supposed to be. They're not preventing infection like they're supposed to. Well, Bill Gates was at a policy exchange event uh, just this month in November last week, and here's Bill Gates uh, telling us that the shots just aren't working. Clip four. I would expect that will lead the R&D budgets to be focused on things we didn't have today. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new way of doing the vaccines. All right. Well, that's that's Bill Gates admitting uh, that the shots don't prevent transmission. Um, wow. Really? Uh, so let's. Uh, I'm going to play this again, uh, Bobby. This is clip four. Let's listen to Bill Gates one more time, telling us that shots. The shots are not preventing transmission. I would expect that will lead the R&D budgets to be focused on things we didn't have today. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health. 
but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new way of doing the vaccines. Wow, folks, I, I, I really can't make this stuff up. If you told me to sit down and make up the wildest of, of clips, fake clips from Bill Gates, I could not have even made that up. My imagination would not take me that far. But Bill Gates here says that we, he says we need to create vaccines that prevent transmission. And everybody's like, don't we have them? Isn't that what these shots are? And then he goes on to say, no, that's not what these shots are doing. These shots are, quote, helping you with your health, but they're just not preventing transmission. So that's what we need to do now. You talk about moving the goalpost. So it's 15 days to slow the spread. Now it's 15 years to slow the spread. It's put on your mask until we get a vaccine. And then when we get the vaccine, everything can go back to normal. Now we have the vaccine and it's get your booster. Well, people are getting their booster. And now Bill Gates come out, comes out of nowhere and says, wait, you know, we just need to scrap the whole shot thing. It's just not working. We need new vaccines. We need billions of dollars in new vaccines because the ones we got now that we paid billions of dollars for, they're just not working. They're not working good enough. They might be protecting your health, which that's the most, that is the most unscientific statement, inaccurate statement to say that these shots are helping your health, but they're not helping prevent COVID. You want to tell me how that works? They designed these shots supposedly to eliminate COVID, which they all knew from the get-go wasn't going to happen because they've been studying coronavirus shots for decades now, and they've had zero success with it. But all of a sudden in 2020, they think it's going to work. So they produce them, and then they're not working, and so we need to do more. We need to do more. We need to spend more money. And while we're producing these shots that are supposed to work, you need to get your booster. You need to get your booster uh, with a shot that doesn't work. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And uh, <clears throat> I'm laughing about it. I'm, I'm, I'm being tongue-in-cheek a little bit here. Uh, but I, I've been talking to people. There are people all across this country that are facing termination over this shot. There are people in this country, people in my community, that are being given a matter of days and weeks before they're terminated for not taking a shot that doesn't work. Now, you want to you put that on paper and sell that to me? Good luck. But we've got employers with no backbone. Obviously, the politicians aren't going to be the ones that stand up and fight for us. And this is what Steve Day said last week. We don't need to wait on the politicians to stand up and get a backbone. We need to do it ourselves. And so all you employers around the country that are telling your employees, your employees that have, have been working for 20, 30, and 40 years contributing to your company, your small business, whatever business you run, for those employers and those bosses out there, you need to develop a backbone. And you need to start defending, instead of kowtowing to the federal government and kowtowing to whatever latest edict comes out of Washington, D.C. or whatever of the hundred regulatory agencies we have, you need to develop a backbone and start fighting for your employees. Because there are people that are genuinely in fear over either losing their job or taking an experimental shot that could cost them their life 
are their livelihood. And I know a story that I heard from someone last week from a nurse in the state of Arkansas who was about 50, in her 50s, in excellent health, in excellent condition. She was looking at running marathons. She had worked all through the COVID-19 pandemic. And her local hospital in Arkansas coerced her to get the shot. Well, she gets the COVID-19 shot and has a, a, a terrible adverse reaction to the shot. To such an extent that she couldn't show up for work, so her hospital, her employer, fires her over a shot that they made her get. Now she's having to learn how to walk and talk again, and she had to sell her home to pay the medical bills. Now she's living with her daughter. All because the local hospital system forced her, coerced her to get her shot or lose her job. Now she has the shot and doesn't have a job and is having to relearn how to walk and how to talk again. I saw this piece of legislation in the state of Oklahoma where Oklahoma legislature is considering passing a bill that would make companies legally liable for adverse reactions to the COVID-19 shot should the employer mandate it on their employees. And I think that is a fabulous idea. If companies are going to force their employees to inject a substance into their bodies, should the employees have an adverse reaction, those companies ought to pay damages to those employees. That is when you will see these illegitimate vaccine mandates come to a screeching halt. Let's make companies legally liable, including Big Pharma. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.